Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to Sports Doc Talk. Please check us out at sportsdoctalk.com. It's a great website. We have a lot of information. Dr. Garcia has some great references. You can check out transcripts from our shows. So really, we want you to go there and check out our website. And once again, I always remind our listeners, we are on every platform that you can think of. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you name it. So please, whatever is your favorite listening platform, go check us out. I'm Will Sanchez, along with Dr. Grant Garcia. You know how we like to do. We talk all sports, all orthopedics all the time. We have a great guest with us today, Leah Winter from Winter Innovations, co-founder and CEO. We're going to get to her in a moment. But before we do that, let's bring in our orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist, Dr. Grant Garcia. Happy holidays. How are you? And maybe the kids aren't listening. Have we taken care of, you know, some of the holiday goodies for the kids? <laughs> so I'm doing good. Happy holidays to you as well. You know, always orthopedic surgery. End of the year is busy, but we're looking forward to the holidays. And if the kids aren't listening, yes, everything is good so far. <laughs> and I think Santa's going to come in hot this year. So we'll see. That is great. Dr. Garcia, Please bring in Leah Winters as you introduce her. Tell tell me what really excites you about this conversation about this guest for our show today. So you know Leah Winter, we're going to talk to in a second, and she's again the CEO and co-founder of Winter Innovations. And you can hear the word Winter is in her name, so obviously she's the founder. And I think you know we had a, one of our most popular episodes so far as the napkin to reality. We had so many listeners on that, and we talked about taking the napkin idea and taking that all the way to the product line. And I talked about a few companies that took large products on a large scale, and that takes a lot of people. This is somebody who did this with basically one person working their way up, a very impressive person, but also she's gonna give us more details that we miss because we're always open to correction. So this will be great. But I thought it was an excellent option. And again, in innovation orthopedics, what the listeners should understand is that it's easy to tweak something small or to tweak a, you know, go to a brand new product, but she, she found a way to make a stitching unit smarter, faster, better, which is incredible to find a niche in a product line such as that. So she took a very innovative approach. I'm excited to talk about her journey, her product and the future. So with that, with that, I'd like to introduce Leah Winter. Thank you so much, Dr. Garcia. You're so kind. Really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be here. Excited to dive in. Leah, you know, we I was listening at your story, and please go check out Leah's website. I was on your LinkedIn page snooping around, and I saw a great little piece that they put together. And I see that some of that inspiration, and I want you to kind of talk about this, was you mentioned that when you were 16 years old, your mom tore her ACL. And unfortunately, she had to have revision surgery 10 days later. And a surgery and a recovery that should have been a lot shorter took her almost two years. How did something like that become so impactful and lead to where you came up with this idea for your technology? 
I love to talk about this because for so many entrepreneurs, their family and experiences that their families have lived or experiences that they have lived themselves end up being the passion and drive behind the new products and innovations that come out. So exactly like you said, my mom tore her ACL while she was at the gym playing volleyball with her friends. This was when I was about 16 years old. She had a world-class surgeon do her ACL surgery, but there, as a lot of the listeners know, there are a lot of steps, a lot of technical details in the surgery. And unfortunately, her surgery had to be revised 10 days later, which meant she went under the knife again. So what typically is a six-month recovery for ACL surgery became two years for her. So I, I kind of knew from that experience, and again, I was young, younger here, but knew that if a surgery doesn't go right the first time, what happens to a patient and how difficult that journey could be because I saw my mom live it herself. So fast forward a few years, I was an athlete in high school and everything, and like many people who delve into the orthopedics industry, went through my own orthopedic injuries, had treatments, and that inspired me to become a biomedical engineer. And during my biomedical engineering training, I had the opportunity to do research and development. I was always drawn to sports medicine. So there was a day in the lab where I was doing an R&D project on ACL grafts and how they were stitched. I had to sit there for six hours with products that were currently out there and, and figuring out how to stitch the grafts and then biomechanically test them. And mm. I know Dr. Garcia talked about this a little bit on napkin to reality. So during this testing, there was a moment where it really stuck with me about the, the needle products that were used to stitch were very tedious for me to use. Then as my, my R&D project continued on, I started watching surgeons come into the lab and, and saw that stitching really was a bottleneck in the surgery. So this experience helped me realize that from a technical side, there was an opportunity to improve. And then from the personal side, my, my mom and her experience really stuck with me. So those two things really were, were my inspiration behind starting my company and coming up with the idea for my product. I think this is an excellent point, which he's bringing up. I think from an orthopedic standpoint, it's important to hear this because the listeners are like, well, you know, stitchy, tell me more about it. You know, what happened to your mom is incredibly unfortunate. And when the stitching, you know, we, a lot of things we do and how most of my ACLs, at least half of them, there's a stitching component that's not built into the system that we're stitching. And Sometimes you can see when you're stitching, the way the tissue is, the way that the biomechanics of it are done, is there can be a little bit of cutout. And what cutout for the, the listeners, and again, we're not gonna go into the engineering component, is that you can kind of split the tissue. Again, you want to keep, the goal is you want a stiff construct and you want the sutures to be built into the tissue. But sometimes the needle itself, you guys can think about it, like imagine you're, you know, you're trying to, you're passing something, you have to make a hole in it. And so if you make the hole in the inappropriate direction, or you make a certain type of stitch, you can actually cut through the middle and that can cause those problems you're talking about. Again, it's not common for that particular issue that your mother dealt with, but it's obviously catastrophic and enough to someone like you to change the way you're doing your course and your path. And so it's really important to have this down because again, I've you guys have heard on my podcast before, but our margin for error should be zero. And so that's why innovations is so important. 
Absolutely. Yes, Dr. Garcia. And if it might be helpful for the listeners, I'd love to share a little bit of background and context on ligament and tendon surgeries, because I, I know that you do have a pretty wide range of listeners. So just a, a little bit of background. These ligaments and tendons are the soft tissue structures that are either connecting bone to bone hmm. in the case of a ligament or muscle to bone in the case of a tendon. And unfortunately, these tendons can tear when too much force is put on a joint. And a lot of people are familiar with these things from sports, and they can happen in many different areas of the body. But it's not just athletes. Everyday people can experience these inju injuries, the weekend warrior. These are things like ACL tears, biceps tears, Achilles tendon tears. And I think these are hot topics, uh, especially for sports medicine surgeons. I mean, this is your bread and butter, Dr. Garcia. And I, I know a lot of your listeners have heard of some of these from your recent segments. So like, for example, Nick Chubb and Aaron Rodgers. But for the most part, severe tears require surgery. And most of these ligament and tendon surgeries actually require stitching of the tissue. The surgeon is taking sutures which is a fancy word for medical grade string and passing them through the <laughs> tissue with a needle. So for example, for, we talked, I mentioned Achilles for Achilles tendon surgery, a common approach is repairing where the native tissue is sewn back together for something like an ACL surgery. The common approach here is to reconstruct it. And this is where tissue is taken from another part of the body. A lot of times this is called a graft and the graft is stitched before this construct is implanted into the knee to replace the old torn ACL. And that's the kind of surgery that, that my mom had. So I think before we talk about stitching, it's important to understand the overall context of the surgery because it, it is quite a simple thing, but it does have a big impact on the overall steps, especially in ligament and tendon surgery. So Dr. Garcia, would you like to weigh in on that at all? Yeah, I mean, if the part, if the listeners want to hear how important this is, this week I will probably do this stitching technique, and I'll probably do stitching overall probably ten times. So that's ten times in one week. Multiply that by fifty-two weeks, and again, you know, this it, it changes sometimes. Sometimes it's four times, but I don't think I go a week without doing stitching like this. So this is an everyday thing that we deal with, and and again, I'm a sports surgeon, so I probably see a higher volume of things that require to be stitched, but flexor tendons for hand. You can talk about other knee ligament tendons, uh, a lot of ankle tendons we can talk about. I mean, again, Leah is making this as simplified as possible, but there are more tendons that we fix with these types of stitches than we have fingers on our fingers and toes. So it's really important to understand that. Yeah. yeah I, so I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go, ahead. Go, go ahead, Leah. No, go ahead. Will. No, Perfect. I was just going to um, say, uh, just to let the listeners know, as I'm, uh, I'm listening to all of this uh, tendons and sutures and everything else, and I've kind of gone through uh, my ruptured tendon. So I have a cast on right now, and luckily I had a great surgeon. Uh, one of the surgeons that was actually on one of our shows, Dr. Anthony Yee, performed that. So when we're talking about the sutures and the stitching and everything else, I am the example you're the, you, you two are the doctors, <laughs> and I'm the example here. So if we were in a room, I could just show up my leg and just talk about really the, the importance of it and having that assurance of of that 
that suture to really kind of hold things in place so these tendons can unite and start to heal and all of a sudden, you know, for us weekend warriors, go out there and have some normality as we were joking before we started the show so my wife could get some peace because right now she's holding down the fort at home and it uh, makes it very difficult. And I was thinking about your mom where you mentioned what she went through, not only the strain that it puts on her physically, but what it does to her emotionally, mentally, and what it does to the rest of the family just because she had such a, a difficult complication, how that can be inspiring for something that you have created here. Exactly. Yes, that's definitely my story and inspiration and what, what keeps me going forward and why I love doing what I do with Winter Innovations. So if I may, I would love to share a little bit more specifically about what Easy Whip is and how it solves some of the problems that I observed through one, my mom's patient story, but two, the technical things that I observed as a biomedical engineer. So Easy Whip really is the first and only two-part needle for stitching in orthopedic surgery. We have some really good graphics and videos on our website if anyone's interested to see how the product works. But for listeners, think a needle within a needle. That's what a two-part needle means. So these two portions are attached to opposite ends of a length of suture. So again, medical grade string. So when they're connected, the suture is a loop, but when they're separated, it's straight. This is a really simple change to conventional needles, but it drastically changes how stitching can be done. With Easy Whip, it can be used to create a traditional whip stitch. And this is where the product gets its name, Easy Whip. And we also have a new patented stitch method, which we call the Whip Lock. This adds additional strength to the stitch and surgeons can create hybrid patterns based on the needs of each patient and surgery. So really a more custom approach. And then in addition to the versatility and strength benefits, it can also save time from avoiding extra movements and reducing the number of needle holes through the tissue, which uh, Dr. Garcia was talking about, mm -hmm. how important the placement of the holes and uh, making sure the tissue integrity stays intact, how important that can be. And I would add to that, again, I whip stuff all the time. The contracts we currently have are a fixed loop. So they imagine a fixed loop. So if you want to pass it through, you got to have another assistant that uses, that releases their hand and passes it through. It's, a, it's an art. It's like a ballet in the operating room. And sometimes it's challenging and you have a needle flying around all the place. So it becomes challenging. With this technique, you don't have to ever do that. The, the tendon stays straight. And as you release it, I have never seen a double needle like this before until I got to see yours. So it was really, really cool. Mm. And the idea that it works so functionally well and the way it stitches, but that hybrid thing she was talking about is really, you know, the whip is amazing, but the hybrid technique is honestly the game changer in my opinion, because you can really do this special locking stitch with it. And so that reduces, if you pull hard enough on these other, some of these other techniques, you will see the tendon get cut again doesn't happen all the time or we'd have a lot bigger problems, but enough to cause traumatic things such as your mom's issue. And so this sort of lock stitch is really what excited me the most about the product. And it's really cool that you can do this. And it's basically technically technic dependent, right? Because, you know, we could do diff all different things with the same stitch. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. The same product. So the surgeon can decide based on 
the needs of each patient in each case when they are about to create each individual stitch, what is most needed, a locking stitch or just a simple traditional whip stitch. And overall, that kind of depends on the, the case and the overall context of the surgery, but really a lot more versatility. And I, I exactly like you said, Dr. Garcia, that's what's resonating with surgeons the most and getting them really excited about using our product. And it's good for, I want the listeners to hear this again. It's just really impressive. You know, this is a, this is like she reinvented the wheel. Like the stitch is so common. And this stick technique we used to use before is like everywhere. And she found a way to have an innovative product on something that is time tested for so long and have it be, make it better. And as soon as you see this, you're like, wow, that is a lot better, but you don't realize it until you see it. So this is one of those things that I just, that's why I'm so excited about having her on here. Cause I just, you, I want everybody to hear the brains behind this. And honestly too, the, you know, the personality type of you is, is going to be great for the listeners to hear how this happened because it's, this is not often that we get to meet someone like this. Yeah. So Leah, we talked about your mom being the inspiration, but who was your inspiration for you to say, hey, you're on the right path. You're doing a great job because I'm pretty sure like anything, doubt kind of may creep creep in or am I heading the right direction? But that person that could, that motivated you because I could see that you're in a position now where you can motivate our young folk and, pe- and, and young people that are in involved in the medicine field. So what are your thoughts on that? There are a lot of people who have helped me along this journey. And I would say being an entrepreneur is very hard. So a strong support system of people encouraging you, helping you find the right resources is so critical to the success. So I, a little bit more context, I, my background is in biomedical engineering and I started my company when I was in graduate school at the university of Tennessee, pursuing an MBA and a master's of science in biomedical engineering. I, I, had a really strong engineering foundation, but realized that in order to understand how the products I was researching were actually impacting patients and the business overall, it it would help to add business skills to my engineering foundation. So it started out when I was in graduate school and I wouldn't say I really set out to start a company from the beginning. I looked at the resources provided by the University of Tennessee and was, became aware of the entrepreneurship program at the university and kind of said, well, entrepreneurship would be a a good thing to combine business and engineering exactly the way I I say I want to. Mm -hmm. So decided to start getting involved in the entrepreneurship club on campus. And I had a a friend and a mentor who said, you know what, it would be great if you pitched your idea uh, for EasyWhip. So EasyWhip had started out as a class project at one of my engineering classes. And they said, if you, it would be great if you pitched this in a competition, kind of like Shark Tank, and started preparing your kind of business skills, put, putting the legs underneath of this idea to yeah. actually make it become a reality. And I, I said, I'm an engineer. I don't like talking in front of people. <laughs> and it was just that I, I hadn't learned or practiced those skills and decided really to rise to the occasion, enrolled in my first pitch competition, which was 90 seconds. So I think Shark Tank, if anyone has seen these, yep. the show. But basically, you get up there, talk about the idea. And I won first place and $1,500. And the next day, I took that money and got a business license and officially 
started. Yeah. It was started off as a sole proprietorship, but that really was the beginning and continued to do pitch competitions. So ended up winning about $30,000 from the University of Tennessee and then looked at the broader resources and realized there was this thing called the pitch competition circuit with a bunch of universities that host pitch competitions and traveled around the country my last semester of graduate school to the University of Louisville, the University of Georgia, and kept winning all of these pitch competitions. So I had about a hundred grand in funding by the time I graduated. Wow. And that's when, again, some family and mentors said, you have something here. You really should go ahead, try this, see if we can make it into an actual commercialized product and company. Yeah, it's amazing. I do want to chime in here. So I got to tell listeners this background on Leah, because this is, this is going to be awesome. So Leah's saying she's, you know, shy engineer trying to work on her pitch competition. <laughs> so Will can tell you this because Will was one of the few people I responded to on LinkedIn who asked me to do podcasts. And now we're what three plus years later, we're doing this awesome show, but I get probably five messages a day from about products for people either from an investment side to try my new product out and pretty much delete all of them. So we're talking about over a thousand messages. Leah is the only message I've ever seen that I still am surprised how she did it. So she sent me a personal video telling me that about the product and ask, and with my name on it and everything else. And I've never seen that before in like the last five years. And I, I showed two of my partners, I was like, check this out and immediately responded back to her. The first thing I think I said to you, Leah was I've never seen someone now again, I'm not telling anybody else on LinkedIn, I'm not going to respond to your messages just because <laughs> you do this video now, but the, I've never seen that before. And her pitch was awesome. So I'm, she had me at that. And so that's why, again, it's also, I just remember that as we're talking. And so I, I think she, I think she's gone a, a pretty good ways from an engineer just behind the scenes. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Garcia. Yes, I, I actually, the first episode, I came across the Sports Talk po podcast, and the first one that I listened to was the Napkin to Reality episode. And oh, it was wow. like everything you guys were talking about was so true. So, research Dr. Garcia on LinkedIn, sent him that video, flew across the country to meet him in person and do a demo with Easy Whip. And now here I am. So, I love that this story has come full circle. It's awesome. That is so amazing. Let's get a, so, this can, let's segue this. So let's tell us what we got wrong with Nap into Reality. And again, in the nicest way possible. <laughs> no, no, and, no. Uh, no, and no, then, no. Go for it. Go for and it. <laughs> tell me your journey. I want to hear your journey and I might chime in on some things, but you know, I do a little bit of IP. Again, I'm a surgeon by most of the time. You are the expert. You are the re this is the reason you're on this show is you've gone the whole way and you know more behind the scenes than anybody I know. So tell us what you had to do to do this. I want the listeners to hear this. This is what it takes, guys. So this is going to be interesting. So go. Of course. Yeah. So just a really high level overview of our company. So graduated from the University of Tennessee in 2019 and officially founded the company, became a full-time entrepreneur. The first thing we did when we graduated, so I teamed up with my co-founder. This is when I start talking about we. We did an accelerator program, so an amazing resource for startups that are actually trying to go forward with the next steps of their company. It's called Zero to 510, and it's in Memphis, and it's a play off the name of the 510 and the 510K, which was discussed a lot in Napkin to Reality and the pathway that we took. So we'll talk about that a little bit. 
So did that accelerator help set us up really well to prepare for fundraising? So we got tired of living big check to big check and pitch competition to pitch competition. So raised our first round of investment funding in 2020. Use that to put towards all of the testing necessary to get clearance from the FDA through the 510K. And that went through in 2021 and then had our first surgery in the very end of 2022. So that's just kind of a high level of, of where we've been and what it's been like. And a lot of work and steps have gone into that. So I kind of mentioned that for me, what made this a reasonable journey and gave the motivation and inspiration was just breaking it up into individual steps. And so one of the things very early on, someone said after I won a pitch competition was you need to get a patent to protect your idea. Mm. Dr. Garcia talked about a lot of different pathways. You can partner with a larger big company or take the path that I took and start your own company. Regardless, protecting the invention is the key first step. Um, so I, I really remember it was, again, we were just winning pitch competitions and scraping together the first capital. I was on the phone with our patent attorney who had just finished the application and it was ready to submit, which means the fees hit and everything. Hmm. And I remember our patent attorney telling me, Patents are like potato chips. You can't have just one. And I was on a call, but I kind of like, I made a face. He couldn't see me. And I was like, that's crazy. I, <laughs> we barely have enough money for one. Well, fast forward, we now have a patent portfolio that has three U.S. patents, 13 international wow. patents across the country. So this that advice that I got really early on has been critical to building value from the earliest stages for our company. I think that's important for listeners too. You know, there's two routes. Leah took the higher risk, but higher reward and harder work, right? There is partnering with companies where you have a smaller chunk of ownership of the patent, you know, maybe, you know, hopefully some ownership. And that's what a lot of the orthopedic surgeons do initially on. But what Leah did is a different animal. And so it's good for you guys to hear this because that's really, uh, that's a less common route especially to get all the way to the success level she did. I mean, each one of these, she could fail and she found a way not to. So, sorry, keep going. So true. And again, it goes back to some amazing people that we worked with and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we specifically get to maybe the FDA and 510K. But before we could even get to that, right, we had a, a patent to protect the idea, the innovation. And the next thing was, how do we go about even making the product? And I, I always laugh, the first versions of Easy Whip were hand-built prototypes. I was ordering things off of eBay, finding other sutures on the market that I could find that were maybe expired or, or things, purchasing those, ordering needles and hand milling them on a, a <sighs> mill and drilling. And wow. just to have feasibility prototypes that we've put in the hands of surgeons, like family, friends that, that we knew, other surgeons in our network and said, hey, how's the size of this? What materials does it have to be made out of? And that was a big step to start actually talking about the device and not being so proud that it had to be perfect to get it in the hands of a surgeon. I think that was a really good step that we took early on was to just get what we call a minimum viable prototype or product and get it in the hands of a potential customer to really get feedback early on and make sure how the device is being designed is built for the surgeon and something that, that can bring value and benefit. So those early prototypes were, were important. And then it was getting the attention of a manufacturer and being a startup and asking about 
their capabilities. And when we said, oh, our first run, we're thinking maybe a thousand and manufacturers laughing and saying, we heat the machine up, it warms up and it makes a thousand, <laughs> a thousand sutures. Mm. So finding a, a manufacturer that had the capabilities, we just tapped into our network and started pitching not as much the business case, but also the inspiration behind it. And, and we found an amazing manufacturer that just makes surgical needles, a really specialty niche in the market, if you will, that was a critical step early on to making sure we succeeded and passed all of these tests and necessary steps like Dr. Garcia mentioned is, is so important. Absolutely amazing. Just because it sounds like you've been slacking for the last couple of years, what yeah. are the future goals for the company? What, what's your vision down the line or at least hopefulness for winter innovations? Yes, yes. So right now I would say a lot of the focus is on growing our customer base, getting new innovative surgeons who are excited about new technology, looking for partnerships to get EasyWhip efficiently into the hands of as many surgeons as possible and doing that at a nationwide scale. So those are kind of the, the long-term uh, business goals. And I'd say on the research side of things, we recently won a grant from the government. Uh, it's called a Small Business Innovation Research Grant. It's a million-dollar grant from the National Science Foundation, and that will fund product expansion as well as cadaver studies and biomechanical testing, which wow. I know was also a big topic in uh, Napkin to Reality. Yes. Um, will you go? Will you go through your? You know, again, briefly, your five ten k. You had to go through so that the listeners can hear this again. Again, this was our most popular episode. So hearing this from someone who's gone through it is going to be excellent. And then maybe, you know, shoot down to some surgeries that were the first surgeries like. Yes, yes. So the 510K pathway, uh, again, just a quick summary, this is the expedited pathway for products that are currently out there, but might have a different tweak. So sutures are products that have been on the market. So we were able to use this 510K pathway. Um, I think you talked a lot about biomechanics testing, which was a really big part of it. We did have to present that data to the FDA, but even before that, just everything, I think additional context that goes into making sure a device is safe and effective, we had to do sterilization testing, make sure the product was sterile and clean for it to be open in the OR. We had to do testing on the packaging to make sure that even after it was shipped halfway across the country, the packaging still stayed intact and the, the product was still sterile. We had to do biocompatibility testing. We had to do manufacturing process validation. And then once all of that was finished and proven, we did additional biomechanical testing. So looking at the different stitch patterns, pulling them apart, looking at the ultimate strength, all of those things that Dr. Garcia talked about in, in Napkin to Reality. We took all of that work and put it into a 510K, which really is your case to the FDA for why this product is safe and effective. And our 510K, and this is a pretty simple product, it's a, again, a suture, was a thousand pages long. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of work that goes into this preparation. And this is also a fun fact is that in order to actually get this submitted to the FDA, we had you have to mail them the submission on a flash drive. So that was something that was funny when we were ready to submit and our, our <laughs> regulatory expert told us that's how it's actually done. So our 510K went through the FDA in less than two months, which is, which is really fast, especially for a startup. Most take about six months. So that's a, wow. a metric that we're really proud of. And again, we worked with some great testing partners and manufacturers to help make that happen. 
Well, awesome. Absolutely so amazing. I, Go ahead. Yeah, so again, for listeners, this is a, this is really impressive. So I think, you know, but you hear all these steps, right? So she's gotten all the way to the FDA, but all your products can be great, but how do you present it to the surgeon? You know, I may seem like a chill guy, but sometimes if I'm, you know, not interested in something, I'm not always going to look at it. And there's a lot of other different personalities in the operating room, which Leah will tell you. And so you got to work with all these different surgeons who may have their own personality types and you got, or you got to have these surgeries that go perfectly. And sometimes you get one shot. And so, you know, those first surgeries are important for your testing, but also just for your confidence. And so, so how did that go? And then obviously we'll get to the next level, which is, you know, trying to talk to other surgeons and how did that approach go and, you know, your, your future stuff. You're so right about the different personalities of surgeons and all are so busy, so getting their attention. We were fortunate to have a very excited surgeon to be the first user of our product. So the approval process, getting it in, it all went very smoothly. I almost say we were spoiled for the first case, but I will say being in the OR for that first surgery was honestly the proudest moment of my life. I was able to see a product that I, I came up with this idea and it was being used for the very first time to help not only a surgeon, but most importantly, a patient and have been really fortunate to be in a lot of cases with Easy Whip now. And every time, again, it's that same feeling. And when I hear a surgeon utter the, the value proposition that I've pitched so many times right in my sales pitch, when I, I hear either the surgeon or the PA, whoever's stitching, utter those words out of their own mouth, like, wow, this really was easier. I felt like it was a stronger repair. I'm not worrying as much about the tissue ripping. That's what makes all of the hard work and steps worth it. So we do have to work really hard to get the product in front of other surgeons. Some of those creative things, like I said, Dr. Garcia's example of doing personalized videos one by one, researching our surgeons. Social media has been really important for us. We've started going to conferences like the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons or sports medicine conferences, things like that. And, uh, but I would say the, the thing that's the best is referrals and testimonials from our, our happy surgeon customers. That definitely goes uh, the furthest. And so we try to really make sure those first cases go well. Like Dr. Garcia said, uh, you have to make sure it goes right. And so I will a lot of times travel and go to the first cases and help build the relationships with the surgeons and make sure it goes smoothly. This is so important. I think the listeners should this is going to be our longest podcast ever because this is so exciting. So the, uh, this is really important. I mean, this is something I do on it for all the, a lot of these companies I work with, you know, and again, I'm different than Leah and the surgeon. She's trying to show her product off, but surgeons are skeptical and some, and there's some that want to do innovation, but there's a lot of people that want to be careful and it's fair enough. Again, you don't, when something goes wrong, it's not good. Or if you're doing something and it, it ends up being not the result you wanted with the new product, it's stressful. And there's, there's previous history of products like that. Again, this is different, but there's still that concern that some surgeons have. And so, you know, when a testimonial of another surgeon is like, this is amazing, you know, that goes a long ways, like she said. And, you know, the fact is that she's excited about it. She's smart. She could talk all these things. Those are all really important because that's not the commonality. And that's why she's gone so far, because I'm sure there are a lot of smart people out there. I'm sure there are a lot of engineers out there but you have to have the full combination. And again, it shouldn't deter you if you don't have those, check all those boxes, but it is interesting for the listeners to see, this is not, this is a full package thing. It's like, you know, these athletes we talk about, right? They're not just good at one little thing. They have all these things going for them. 
And the one thing that Leah said that she was worried about initially was her ability to pitch and talk in front of doctors or talk in front of people. And she's clearly mastered that. And so the point I'm saying is that you don't have to have everything to start, but you sh it's good for you to listen to mentors and be humble and understand like what it takes. You know, when I came out of medical school, my conference level is not nearly what it's like now. And talking in front of people or talking to, you know, I was just at a teaching event and half the people were older than me by five to 10 years in terms of surgeons. And so that takes a lot of guts for me to try to go out there and try to teach somebody else. And so that's the same type of thing. And so it's really important to understand that like, you have a purpose here, you know, you're not, and this is not threatening. You're trying to help everybody. And if that's your intent, things are going to go a lot better. And that's the way that Leah presents herself. Yeah. yeah. Leah would have had me, if she would have had on subject title, I had this great in, invention called Easy Whip. Just the name alone, I would have like, I got to check this out. Because it's like a cool 80s music video from Devo. So I love the name. Easy well, you know Whip you is Will. awesome. Well sold already. You don't even need to do any product testing. With no, you. no, I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. The, the name of my invention is called Easy Whip. I was like, okay, this is awesome. So great job on the name. I know we're going to wrap it up soon. I, I want to do a quick little rapid fire thing with you. We're going to call this, you know, this, that, or... We'll send it to the rack here. All right. And you're from the University of Tennessee. So tell me, Peyton Manning, Pat Summit, or someone else when you think about the, the Vols? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to go with Peyton Manning All right. or Dolly Parton. Oh, well, there oh, you go. Oh, oh. <laughs> Country singer. Did Dolly, did Dolly go to Tennessee, uh, to University of Tennessee, or just because she is Tennessee? She is Tennessee. The last UT game that I was at, she came and performed. On um, Peyton Manning walked her out on the field, so it was it was quite fun. There we go. Okay, <laughs> so dry or wet ribs? What are we doing here? Dry. Okay, we're going with the dry rub. All right, last one, and you know, I'm sticking with the food thing. Google clusters or banana pudding? I know it's big in Tennessee. What are we doing here? Banana pudding. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much, Leah. Any last words for Leah, Dr. Garcia, as we uh, we wrap it up? Because if I don't stop you, we're going to keep Leah on right through the night for another three hours. Because I, I, I know you're so excited to talk to her. I and know. she's got some great things. She teased it already. So I'm hoping that she's going to come back mm -hmm. to the show in the future and discuss where, where the company is going and all the other great things that are happening with Easy Whip and her company. Absolutely. Well, guys, first off, thank you so much, Leah, for being on here. I'm really excited about this product. You guys, hopefully, will get a chance to try it out in the next uh, month or so. Just, you know, obviously, things are things are crazy over everywhere in the end of the year. So, you know, this is a really innovative option, and you guys will be hearing me report on it soon. And I really appreciate you continuing on the efforts and telling us your story, because this is it's good for the listeners to hear this, yeah. and they get to see the real napkin to reality. Thank you, Dr. Garcia. It's been such a pleasure. Appreciate you giving me this platform and supporting entrepreneurs like myself. That's Leah Winter from Winter Innovations, co-founder and CEO. What a great name. Easy Whip. 
I can't wait to see where this all goes. And, you know, big Dolly Parton fan there. We want to thank everybody for listening to Sports Doc Talk. Please check check us out at sportsdoctalk.com. I would like to wish both of you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, however you celebrate. I hope you're having a great time with your family, friends throughout this holiday season as we get ready for a spectacular 2024. Happy holidays, everyone.